0: I'm Jim Minns and you're listening to Minimal. My guest this week is the independent candidate for Hughes in the upcoming federal election, Georgia Steele. Okay, hello Georgia Steele. Hello Jim. It's a lovely idea to talk to you. Uh, Last time we spoke uh, on another platform, you were a concerned citizen, a neighbour of mine, living in the, yeah that's right, the Hughes electorate and a lot's changed since then. Tell us what's happened.
1: Well, uh, since I spoke to you, I think it was quite early this year that I spoke to you. Um, I decided to throw my hat in the ring myself for election to public office. Cool. Um, I had been keeping an eye on the council elections for a little while. And as you know, the local council elections were supposed to be held last year. And then because of COVID got put off until September this year and then pushed back again to December this year. Right. So I, I put my hand up for council, and then it just kept pushing back so far that I decided that I, I it was too close to the federal election, which is which is what I really wanted to put my hand up for. Really? Um, and so here I am. I've launched a campaign for the seat of Hughes. And and why federal politics? Federal politics has always been um, a tremendous interest of mine. I spent high school and university living in Canberra. And I just think it's in the water there. Mm. Uh, the issues that I really care deeply about are, are ones that are dealt with by the federal parliament. Mm. And also in Hughes, Jim, as you know, we have a federal member at the moment who um, somebody really needed to stand up and, and take on. And yeah. so that's what I that's what I decided to do.
0: And so our federal member currently is Craig Kelly.
1: That's correct. Craig Kelly MP. he has been our federal member since 2010.
0: Oh, my gosh, long time, long time.
1: It is, yeah. It'll be 12 years, four terms, by the time we have an election next year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I feel like um, Craig Kelly, in that time, obviously he's been a member of uh, our electorate for a very long time. I was very hyper-aware of him um, from an early standpoint because – a friend of mine ran against him in the electorate that you're standing for at the at the very outset, um, Brett right. Thomas. And I come from a very, you know, sort of, as you're probably aware, um, heavy Labor family and yes. a, a kind of attuned to um, politics uh, in general. Uh, so, you know, it was very uh, curious as to who my local member was. But I feel like the um, general uh, populace of our dear electorate wasn't really wise to the shenanigans of Mr Kelly until possibly recently. Would you agree?
1: I completely agree. Yeah, I think that Craig Kelly has been elected so many times because he's been the Liberal Party pre-selected member. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's true for all four of his elections, actually. Um, it, as you say, it's it's more recently that he's become more extreme and outspoken in his views. Uh, and so as a result of that, I think that a lot of people in the Hughes electorate may now... Have more awareness of who he is and what he stands for, but um, prior to, I'd say the last maybe two years, um, I don't think he had all that much of a profile.
0: Yeah, and do you think? Do you think you would still be standing if Craig wasn't so blatantly outspoken on everything? And I'm, I'm, I'm we'll get to your policy standpoint, but I'm mm-hmm. presuming you're against.
1: Oh, yes, I'm yes. Yes, I uh, like to think of myself as the uh, opposite yeah. of Mr. Kelly.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs>
1: as to whether I would stand if he wasn't our member, that's a really interesting question um, because I, I came to be so concerned about Hughes' politics in particular because of him, because Mr. Kelly was our member and I really thought that the people of Hughes deserved a lot better than, than what he was providing. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't say that I that I would or wouldn't stand if it, if it weren't for him. I just think that he's definitely one of the reasons that, that brought me to the position I'm in right now, which is to be running.
0: Yeah. Tell us about mm. the formation of the uh, concerns. I mean, are they concerned citizen groups? There was there was a number of them that sprung up in retaliation mm, mm. to Craig. Tell us about yes. your involvement. How did it all start? How did you get involved? Um,
1: yeah. So the that I got involved with was the group called Hughes Deserves Better, which is a a group that's still around. Um, I was attracted to them because they felt the same way I did Mm. uh, and they were really standing up and doing something about it. So I volunteered with them for a little while. Um, And I also came to know another one of the local community groups called We Are Hughes. Uh, They're also doing great work, you know, standing up for their community and, and looking for better representation. Uh, and I volunteered a bit with them, and and yeah, that was all certainly part of um, you know things that worked into my decision to to take the step to run.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What's your background?
1: I am a lawyer. Cool. Um, from from lawyer to politician, I'm not sure. Not um, that much
0: of a stretch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I you know maybe I maybe I should become a used car salesman for my third career. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then I then I think I get the trifecta um, yeah I, I've been a commercial and corporate litigator for 15 years I've worked in law firms um, in Sydney and around the world and I came back to Hughes about 7 years ago uh, and it came back to Hughes to raise my family mm. and um, that was when my, my career in the law kind of wrapped up and I, I went on to do some more study and then Got more and more involved in local politics, and here I am.
0: Yeah. Um, um, if you don't mind me asking, how 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 come it wrapped up when you came back here? Were you looking for a sea change, or did it I was. Course?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I went back to Hughes, and then some years after that, it, it wrapped up. Yeah. I I felt like you know I'd had a good solid fifteen years of doing the law, and I had the opportunity then to pursue something that I'd always wished that I. Had pursued from the start, which was um, my love of English literature. Oh wow! So yeah, I uh, I left to work uh, more full time on my master's in English literature.
0: Oh well, that's fair enough transition, I suppose. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, it's, uh, it, it's very different to co- the commercial aspects of the law that I was practicing, but it was um, I just absolutely adore books. So
0: Well, it was fantastic a good decision. Hats off to that. I respect that immensely. <laughs> I <laughs> would you. just like to ask you some advice then, because um, I, my back my, you know not to make this about me, but someone who's transitioning into the law right now and probably some right. listeners who are um, on their way. Um, sure. what do you got? any tips, any advice? What did you stay away from? what's what, <sighs> what's what's a, what's a no no?
1: What I would recommend, um, and it sounds extremely simple. But I would recommend really trying to pursue those subjects at law school that just really um, get you going—the okay. ones that that capture your interest, the ones that you, that raise issues that you care about. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you like international law, try and get a job at DFAT. If you if you really enjoy the subject of family law that you study, then you definitely try and get some kind of internship at a family law office. It sounds trash but I would say I mean the great thing about law is that it can, it just opens up so many options for you and there's obviously so many areas of of the law and also broader industries that you can work in so just keep following those um, little strands that you discover along the way because I think that's what will make your career fulfilling
0: How come you chose the law?
1: I chose the law because Uh, At school, I was good at the humanities. You know, it's a pretty common tale. I loved English. I loved history. um, I loved languages. Um, I actually did a Bachelor of East Asian Studies at the same time as I did my law degree. And I lived and worked and studied in Japan for a couple of years. Wow. Um, And so I did law because it was, it, it kind of followed on that path and I got the mark for it and it was one of those good, solid careers that, sure. that you could pursue, really stable and gave you a lot of options. And, um, I think also gives you, and I don't know that I really understood this at the time, but it does give you a really well-grounded um, education, kind of a, quite so. a broad I humanities right. education. I yeah. agree with
0: that, yeah. Mm. Certainly so gives yeah,
1: you... I, I, I loved it that I did it. Like I, I never yes. regret yes. studying law or, or pursuing a career there. But our uh, our working lives are long,
0: aren't they, Jim? <laughs> well, that's it. You <laughs> got
1: plenty of time for different careers.
0: Exactly right. You know, yeah. and you shouldn't be limited. I mean, I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday who spoke to me. And we were just talking about you know the the lifespan of a, of a of careers and and choosing pursuits. And you know, I've got many fires in the in the boil myself. But you know, yeah. in particular, you know, look look at someone like Malcolm Turnbull who, effectively, yeah. on paper, has lived three. Uh, uh, careers you know we've quite got,
1: distinct and quite um you know successful in each of those careers I mean, it's well, amazing
0: amazing isn't it mm, when you think about mm, it like like those quite are,
1: successful i say um becoming prime minister of australia well <laughs> that's that's one indication of success i
0: suppose. <laughs> uh, a, a guess if, if that's if there's a metric there but you know <laughs> yeah. like becoming a barrister and then that's yeah. a that's a pursuit that's a that's a i mean i know barristers that's that's a It's quite an achievement in itself. It's an achievement, but it's a vocation, and that's you've you've signed on. That's a lifetime vocation. Sure, it is. You'd think so, Mm. and then to give that away and choose, you know, investment banking, and and then Mm. get on that. Mm. I mean, these are just so you know. What, I guess what that we're going is that you know it's never too late to cl- to turn a chapter and and and, yeah. ch- and choose something else.
1: Absolutely, and Zali you know Diggles was a, a barrister turned. Politician I didn't know that. Well, of course, yeah, she was barrister
0: that. before she before she decided to run, and she was yeah. an Olympic gold medalist. Is that right?
1: Yeah, another person, you know, um, fairly well accomplished, I would say. Yeah. in Everything that they've
0: that <laughs> is incredible that they've
1: put their hand to. I know it is, isn't it?
0: Would you ever yeah. go back to the law?
1: Oh, never say never. Sure. Um, I'm 43, and as you say, we've got a long working life ahead of us, right? So I agree. Um, and and as we were saying before, the law is so broad, um, yes. and I think that the, not only the qualification of it, but the experience in it can open up a lot of different areas for you. So yeah, never say never. I agree. Uh, You know, I've never worked in the public service, for example. Okay. Um, and there are some some areas of law that you can that you can practice there, which fascinate me: constitutional law. Is, you know, international or trade law; those kinds of areas um, are some things that I, I would I would never say no to. Yeah, mm. let's
0: um let's talk about um the the ground the 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 community groups that sprung up again. We uh, uh Hughes deserves better, and mm-hmm. um sorry about the other the the name of the other group is, is We are Hughes. We are Hughes. Yeah. Now the the catalyst really. Uh, did it spring from uh, a pursuit of the truth in in terms of climate change and, and climate policy or was it some other catalyst
1: yeah i think you'd have to speak to the the you know the founders of those groups to understand um what their particular concerns were mm-hmm. but i can definitely say that that one of their clear concerns at the time was getting better representation for humans than what we had in Craig Kelly, mm-hmm. so I don't know that it was. I don't know that it was born out of a kind of policy ideals mm. um, as much as it was born out of uh, just trying to get a better representative into parliament for us.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Mm. Well, mm. Let, let's talk about um, your um, ideas around climate change. Um, not so much in specifically in relation to Hughes, because obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, there are. Uh, I, I imagine there's been a. Uh, a, a poll around Hughes and it would be in favour of action on climate yes. change, I'm just guessing. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, would you consider it uh, a major source of your inspiration to run? Yes,
1: yeah, the, the main source of my inspiration to run. Mm-hmm. Um, there, whether that's the right way to put it, there are a lot of reasons I ultimately decided to run. Sure. Um, but that was what really tipped me over the edge, um, the lack of action that we've seen at the federal level on this, um, defining issue of our generation and the next generation and probably the generation after that. Um, I just couldn't sit by any longer and watch the inactivity, watch the denialism mm. um, when I felt like I was in a unique position, you know in a unique spot in my life to be able to step up and say this is not good enough and we can do better.
0: The denialism played for a very long time. Um, really in politics, I, I was heavily involved in federal politics from um, 2015, I think, I want to say, to 2019, yep. working for Bill Shorten, yep. mm-hmm. and uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the Labor policy, effectively. And I'm I'm not going to criticise um, Bill because I was heavily involved in the campaign myself, but mm, not yep. Bill specifically, but the policy platforms of the party. But to say it, it, essentially, the the Labor Party essentially had a had a view to have a a kind of a bet each way in that we would kind of promise all things to all people. Do you think that we're probably, probably to our detriment, you know, that we should have, there should have been a, a, a stance, a line in the sand drawn and yeah. a, and a shift to renewables uh, accepted, um mm. passed as policy and put forward as a as a platform to, to campaign mm. on rather than promising everything that jobs to one community and clean energy to another community. Do you think that, yep. that line in that sand has been drawn or is there still can you still run on a policy of um uh we're gonna try and transition as long as possible and mm. you know you know what I'm trying to ask? <laughs>
1: I do know what you're trying to ask. I personally think that the line in the sand has been well and truly drawn, mm-hmm. um, and the reason that I say that is because the rest of the world is moving on without us. Yeah, um, they're they're transitioning, they're changing their poli- policies. They are taking advantage of the transition to a renewable energy world, yeah. um, and we are missing out on it. Something terrible. Um, there are going to be jobs, like with every big transition, every big leap of progress that we make in civilised society, there are going to be people who might lose their job. Um, but the opportunities that we're missing out on are so much broader that a transition. the transition needs to be made and it does need to be orderly and it does need to take into account um, people who might suffer from the transition. But that group of people is... Small compared to the group of people who will benefit from the transition to, you know, Australia becoming a renewable energy superpower, which we are very well placed to be. Um, and to deny that opportunity to um, 25 million Australians for the sake of protecting the jobs of 25,000 is unforgivable, in my view.
0: Do you? Uh, would you, I mean, I know you're concentrating on Hughes, which is kind of the, mm. one of the unique aspects of, um, your campaign. And mm. it kind of gives you the freedom to be, um, you know, quite blunt in, in your, in your, um, response, mm. um, which is fair enough. Do you, do you have...
1: also that I'm running as an independent. That, and that and, and a exactly, right. mm. exactly,
0: exactly right. Exactly. My next question, um, uh, as an independent, do do you have any policy ideas around how job transition can take place effectively in regions where you know coal mining is a is a heavy part of the local economy?
1: Well, the great thing about um, the transition to renewable energy is that there's renewable energy sources available across our whole continent. You know, we have the best wind and solar assets in the world. So if we take a regional view of it and we think about the areas where coal mining jobs might be uh, in trouble as a result of the transition, let's make some investment in those very geographic locations to build um, solar farms or wind farms to start generating electricity. I know that Helen Haynes in Indi has had some success over her last term in attracting investment to her regional area um, in relation to renewable energy. And I don't see why that can't be done in you know coal mining regions in Queensland um, and all the other places that might that might. In fact, I just think that it will open up a whole new world of opportunity and possibility for those people when coal mining, like it or not, is on the way out. Yeah. Do you think voted- it's going to be on the way out, whether we um, whether we transition out of it or not? Um, yeah. The rest of the world is starting to reduce their reliance on on energy powered by coal. And so we we will be taken along on that journey. It just depends whether or not we make it work for us or we just get dragged kicking and screaming to it.
0: How confident are you that we will uh, reach a net zero emissions by 2050 under the current, uh, I guess, model? I know there's no legislation in place, but I guess mm. policy model. Uh, does yeah, it feel... Not, you know, sorry, you go ahead.
1: I was just going to say I'm n- not confident at all. Mm. Um the coalition government, particularly over the last three years, has uh, shown no interest—none—in uh, making the transition to a renewable energy economy. They haven't shown enough interest in putting in place um, laws and policies which will get us to a to a position of net zero by 2050. So, under the under the current um, the the current policy positions, I, I don't have the confidence that we will get there. But I have every confidence in the world. That with a new parliament and with people who have the right motivations and the real will to take us in this direction, that we will absolutely get there by 2050. You know, let's start talking about um, a net zero, sorry, not net zero. Let's start talking about our renewable energy targets for 2030 mm. and really kickstart things um, rather than talking about a position which is some... 29 years away now, and which, in Glasgow, as we've seen in Glasgow, is, is just not the main game
0: anymore.
1: Mm. Um, we need to be talking about what we're going to achieve by 2030.
0: In the Australian political landscape, um, independents mm. such as yourself are having a bit of a moment, um, mm. getting a lot of success in in, in key areas, key electorates, putting uh, giving a lot of, I guess you'd say, blue-ribbon seats a run for their money. Yes. Um, uh, is there... I mean, this is a this could may or may not be fanciful, but do you think uh, a parliament full of independents would be difficult to find a consensus on certain issues like climate change? Uh,
1: n- no, I don't. Um, in fact, I think that having a strong crossbench filled with a number of pro climate independents is is the opposite of that. It's the way to get there. Um, the independents that are running in these safe liberal seats haven't sprung up out of nowhere and for no reason. They've sprung up in seats like this because the people who live in those seats don't recognise the party that they've voted for for all these years and are wanting and demanding action on climate change. So the independents that are springing up are pro-climate, pro-integrity independents and that's because there's a void there and it's what people are demanding. So when those independents get elected, they will... Uh, sit on a on a strong cross bench, and we will get the climate change action that we need. I'm absolutely convinced of it. We only need, you know, the, the the current independents who are on the cross bench to be re-elected, and two or three others to be elected to parliament for there to be a really great opportunity for us to get the get the climate change action we need.
0: Absolutely, Liv. That's an interesting point of view. You've you've alluded to it in a lot of your answers, but I wanted to ask mm. why independence. Why, uh, why not a major party, uh, especially now that Craig Kelly, for example, has left the Liberal Party and uh, mm-hmm. y- y- there was no, you didn't, there was no uh, appetite for an avenue through a major party to run as a candidate at all for you?
1: No, there wasn't. Um, like you, Jim, I've been you know, an avid watcher of federal politics for all of my adult life and I've, I've always felt let down in one way or another by the major parties. And now we find ourselves in 2021 in a position where our action in several critical areas of federal politics is woefully inadequate. And um, when I saw Zali Stegall win the almost unwinnable mm. election in 2019 and then saw Helen Haynes take over from Kathy McGowan in, in 2019 as well, mm. I, was, I was thrilled to see that. I was thrilled that there was the possibility of that. In Australian politics, and I still think um, that it's it's the way forward, and it is the way that we'll really be able to get change. I mean, independents don't work for anyone except their constituents. They don't work for parties. They don't work for donors. They don't work for lobbyists. If they want to get re-elected, they have to, um, you know, make the runs, put the runs on the board for their constituents. And I think I think that bringing that um, bringing federal politics back down to that local community level. Is a really powerful thing, and people in the community are really responding to
0: it. I th- think that's very noble, and um, you know, I, I, I kind of empathetically agree with that to a certain mm. extent. But mm. from, from my point of view, and of course, you disagree with this, I, mm. do, I just feel like there, there might be situations where, if you had a parliament full of independents, you could have stalemates where there doesn't need to be stalemate stalemates. Um, what's your position on? Um, you know, is there a, is there a cap? What's the perfect parliament for you?
1: Oh, no, I, look, we've got a two-party system in federal politics at the moment. It, it, it hasn't always been like that. Different parties have come and gone, have morphed over time, have merged over time. Um, I think that every electorate should elect the person, whether that's an independent or a member of a party, that is the best person and that will be able to deliver for the constituents in that electorate. And that's what I mean about bringing federal politics back down to the local level. Um, who knows Who knows what the ultimate impact of having an increased number of independents in parliament will be? But um, what I do know is that what's happening right now is not working for
0: Australia. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia, you recently launched this ad. Uh, <laughs> to, so you just announced respectively this week, right, when you, when you announced you
1: Yeah, that's right. On Saturday, we, you know, kind of, had the big launch
0: the big launch and your <laughs> ad has exploded on social it media
1: sure, it sure has it's um it was up over a hundred thousand views on twitter within kind of three or four days and it also did incredibly well on other platforms
0: yeah and look and mm. that's amazing um uh, groundswell of uh, support um, mm. is, is just rattling off some of the names that are coming through. Was it uh, uh, Peter Fitzsimons was retweeting you? Few mm. mm. other people. You're getting mm. a lot of the, like, like I said, independents are getting quite a moment. Quite there's quite a bit of momentum behind your campaigns.
1: Mm. Is yeah, it? There really is. Yeah.
0: H- how is it feeding through into Hughes? Are you see, actually? It's just popping up on my feed again. I'm just going through my Twitter feed. Here it is again. Now <laughs> we're up to 102.4 right. thousand views here on Twitter. Yeah.
1: So there you go. There Are you, you go. getting feedback in your
0: local electorate?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, Twitter, as you know, isn't really... Um,
0: the best it, barometer, it, I suppose. It's not,
1: yeah, it's not really a local medium. I think Facebook is is the medium and Instagram as well that um, has a more local flavor to it. Yeah. So, yeah, really, really big uh, response on both of those um, social media platforms. And um, one of the things that I'm spending a lot of my time doing, which I knew I would, is Actually, engaging in conversations on those platforms, yeah. people are asking me questions, um, people are sending encouragement, um, and it's just such a great opportunity uh, that we've had. Probably, you know, for for at least a few elections now, but I'm not sure that politicians have really or political candidates have really taken advantage of it to the extent that they that they should or can. Um, and I'm just loving being able to have constituents of Hughes uh, talk to me directly. Through social media, I'm yeah. obviously getting out in real life as much as I can as well, but it's um, it's a combination of all those things because not everyone can come see you at the you know, local shop centre, or <laughs> so it's. Yeah, well, I've it's never met
0: Craig Kelly, for example, and I've lived in yeah, a okay, for neither, a long time. Never have I, and I've only
1: seen him once, um, <laughs> in all the time I've next you.
0: So, where, where uh, what's the campaign focus? Without giving away any details, where uh, mm. where are you getting out and about to sort of say hello to the local community?
1: Well, I'm doing a, a, I've launched a community tour of Hughes. Oh, nice. Um, so I'm going to a range of suburbs, obviously kind of, you know, from Bundina all the way to almost to Liverpool, which is where um, the Hughes electorate goes, obviously. I'm going to kind of local local parks and local shopping centres, letting people know that I'm going to be there for a particular time and that they should feel free to come up and have a chat. I want to hear from people. I want to... Um, hear what their concerns are because I think that's what a real community representative does, doesn't tell them what she needs. I want them to tell me what she needs. Um, and so that's what I'm doing. I've got also um, a meet the candidate event on in a couple of weeks and, you know, a couple of other things where, again, the beauty of social media, I can advertise where I'm going to be at a particular time. And, um, when people can manage it, they can come and say hi.
0: As, aside from um uh, you know, Craig Kelly, as we've already mentioned a few times, are you keeping tabs on your opponents at all? Are you aware of any campaigns well, that are propping up?
1: No, um, there aren't any, uh, which was one of the reasons that I felt um, a level of urgency to, to get out there and, and formally announce that I'd be running in the seat of tears because it, it has been Craig Kelly out there alone for so long. Um, obviously, the Liberal and Labor parties will pre-select someone and um, they'll start their campaigns um, whenever they start it. But, uh, no, it's just, it's just me and Craig at the moment.
0: Yeah. And mm. how have your family taken the, the, the choice to go for federal politics?
1: <laughs> yeah, interesting question. <laughs> uh, look, they're, they're extremely supportive, especially my husband. Like, I wouldn't be able to be doing it without him um, kind of you know, keeping the the fires burning on the home front. Sure. Um, I think my um, parents were... Uh, Not surprised, but uh, a bit shocked and a bit worried about what that means, especially for a a woman um, trying to enter the federal political realm. That's interesting. Uh, You know, very quickly came around and are also hugely helpful and um, putting a lot of their time and energy into the campaign as well. So I'm very lucky in that
0: respect. Good. And what about, about, um, uh, you know, I mean... You are a very uh, successful uh, professional, but mm-hmm. now you have uh, a profile that's probably going to get stronger and stronger and stronger.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. How has that affected you? How have you ac- accepted that fate?
1: Um, I feel like it's, it's come along gradually. So I, I launched my campaign for council, and I'm going to say June, but, um, but don't hold me to that. That's all right, yeah. So it's been quite some months now. Um, and, you know, raising a profile when you're starting from scratch, you you know, when you're not a famous person, you're not any kind of celebrity, is difficult. Mm. Um, And it's difficult to get people's attention, especially when you're running in politics at the council level. But um, over the last week, you know, the amount of press interviews and um, radio interviews and whatnot that I've done has really blown me away. Mm. Um, And so it's been a bit of a baptism of fire, but, you, you know, I'm not, People aren't kind of recognising me in the street and yelling at me, yes. No, whether that comes, not yet. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but look, it, you know, it's it's a bit – it's kind of a bit watch this space, I think. It's only been a week since I launched the federal campaign. Of course, so. of course, yeah.
0: Mm. I, I, I think, yeah, I might be uh, jumping ahead of myself because I've been aware of you for quite some time. So I feel
1: – Sure, I, yeah, we've known each other for a little while. Yeah, yeah?
0: I feel like, you know, uh, when you told me last week that you were going to run for the candidate, I mm. – Uh, I kind of wasn't surprised.
1: Sure. Okay. And And look, none of my friends were either. I'm the one who goes to social functions and bores them witless um, talking about (laughs) federal politics. So I I really...
0: I felt like, without speaking on your behalf, but I felt like you were so involved in the group, you know, not knowing Mm. you that well, but this is the perception Mm. I got, that Mm. you knew that you were the best person for the job. (laughs)
1: Uh, I, you know, I, I certainly never um, I certainly never felt that way myself. Um, the best person for the job is an interesting way of putting it. I came to the view that, you know, in all the volunteering that I was doing and all, all the kind of community activities I'd been involved in, that um, with my background and my qualifications, the best way that I could make the biggest impact to help my community. Was actually by going into federal politics. Hey. Um, so I guess that's just a slightly.
0: That, I think that's that, a better way. Of that's a it realization the realization that, that I came
1: to. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just about about what's the most I can do for my community and how how can I use what I've got um, in the most impactful and efficient way. And and I realized that this was it. So here I am.
0: Well, it's very interesting. And uh, your joint your journey is very interesting, Georgia, and I want to thank you for spending time on uh, my new show here and talking to me about your journey, your progress, your process. Mm-hmm absolute um, pleasure yeah thank you thank you um uh i am uh, a labor party stalwart so you'll forgive sure. me <laughs> for no, if i if i limit if, if i limit my my support too much only because uh they'll hang me in the branch meetings so oh, well, no, I, com-
1: I completely understand no and i appreciate you inviting me to come and chat with you it's been great
0: well you're a good you're a, you're a good yarn so it's good to have a chat <laughs> and uh and it's a, it's fascinating process uh politics and i think Isn't you're in it? for quite a journey and oh. We'll be watching with uh, uh, intriguing, you know, our eyes will be glued to the screen and looking forward to seeing what progress you get. We've got a common enemy in Craig Kelly, so go get him. Go get him. All
1: right. Well, thanks a lot, Jim, and hopefully we get a chance to chat again.
0: Good on you. Thanks, Georgia Steve. Okay. See you later.